Okay. Okay. Hello. Hello. There we go. I'm going to invite everyone to return to your seats. Parents, hopefully you got some activity bins, some coloring, something to do for your kids. They're with us in the service today.
Welcome to those of you who are online and just joining us now. Glad you can be here with us. Thanks for joining. Uh, just one announcement, two announcements before we move on to the message. Um, one is that a little while ago I was I was chewing on how do I how do I teach my kids how to serve? How do I teach my kids to think about others? And so I actually sent Susanna Newton a text and said, hey, can I bring some kids over to like help harvest some stuff? And she's like, yeah, I need help um, actually picking potatoes and uh, harvesting potatoes. And so I'm taking my boys tomorrow morning and we're going to start harvesting potatoes with, with Susanna. And you are all welcome. In fact, they do need help. So this isn't just if you want to teach your kids something. It could just be if you want to spend some time with some other people, help out, have some community time, you know, how about a sister in need? Please feel free to do that. We're going to be starting at about 9.30, I think, tomorrow morning. And um, my kids are not farm kids, so I don't imagine they're going to have a lot of gas in the tank. I don't think we're going all day. I think it's just going to be an hour or two. But, you know, if if we bring an hour or two of work and you do, you know, we're probably not as good as Suzanne at doing this, but it will still cut some of their labor and time in half. So would you consider doing that if you were just thinking about sleeping in tomorrow? Maybe sleep in a little bit and then come, come join us. Uh, you'll have to provide your own gloves and Tools. I, I don't know. I'm not a farmer. You're gonna, something you can get dirty in and some gloves and I'm sure Susanna's got the rest, but yeah, come and hang out and, and bless the new ones with us. Secondly, so, so many of you responded with a fast. Do you know how many people are fasting in this church? For those of you who weren't here last weekend and don't read your email, um, I didn't actually mean that in sort of the concept of it. I was just trying to bring you up to speed. I apologize if that came out wrong. Anyway, um, last week's message was about the fact that Jesus does nothing. He says, uh, um, the son can do nothing of his own. And that the whole point of the message was that Jesus only does what he does because he has been anointed with the spirit. Scripture is absolutely clear about that. And so we, the conclusion of that was that if we, if if Jesus is truly our example, um, then we are going to need the power of the Spirit to do anything that God asks us to do. And if Jesus, uh, if Jesus is going to be our example, we need to follow His example of being anointed with the Spirit. And then at the close of the service, what happened was um, there was this prompting to to pray for Lori Brooks. Uh, who's just been struggling with terrible mental health challenges over the last year. And so we brought her up to the front and, and many laid hands on her and so many people gathered around and just to pray for her healing. And after that time of prayer, everyone went back to their seats and just sat. Even though the service was over, the benediction had already been given, everyone returned to their seats and sat. And there was an atmosphere in here that was such that you could tell God was doing something. And so after a pause, um, I felt like I was hearing and I um, called fast, called fast. I'm like, God, oh, A, I didn't want to. Um, I hate fasting. Um, and B, I, I'm not, man, am I sure I'm even hearing this right? So I want to remember to Joel. I'm like, I think I'm hearing the call fast. He's like, I've been hearing that for a month. You're slow. <laughs> um, 
you might not have said you're slow. I just probably applied. <laughs> um, and I, so I stood back up and said, we have to fast, friends. And, it, and it's for both parts of the service. It, it's that we would follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be, as Acts 10, 38 says, anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power in order that we might go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It, if that is our prayer for glory, we, we need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus in order that he might do that through us, even. And so there were two parts right in that one verse. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we need to see a breakthrough in the life of our sister. And so I, I said, you know, you don't have to, but feel free to, to send me an email and say, tell me what you're fasting and, and join them. Here's what people are fasting. I won't tell, I won't say who's fasting what, but um, social media, candy, meals, a whole bunch of different people said meals, pop, hot chocolate, fiction, coffee, chocolate, snacks. One person was fasting radio because they're already fasting in it for a number of other things. And they said, okay, well, I'll fast radio while I'm driving so that I can hear the Lord more. Um, entertainment, social media, Instagram, fasting, sleeping in, getting up early and praying instead. Food, YouTube, more food, social media, uh, coffee, Facebook, and, and so on. I this just email after email came in to the point where I said this has become. I, I, just as I'm looking at the email responses this week, this has become something that is not a group of people within the church doing it. This has become a church fasting for the month of October to see the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of Holy Spirit breaks through in the life of our sister. Well done, Unity. Well done, Unity. My assumption is that if you are like me, this has been a hard week as you started fasting. And you're not yet seeing the benefits and payoffs that come with fasting. What you're probably dealing with are the things like I was. Like caffeine headaches from withdrawal. Seriously, that was almost oppressive. Not oppressive, but it was it was challenging this week. As I, I decided I would fast and, and drink only water, um, no other beverages. And so my morning coffee and afternoon tea and you know, etc., are have been replaced with water. And my body is now responding in such a way going you miss those things and you're not happy about it. And there's an appetite rising up in me that says, I need a hit. I'm an addict. I need a hit. And if I can't get my caffeine, maybe I'll through liquid. And like there's this craving for chocolate coming out of nowhere. Um, all that just to say that you may be at a similar point as you start fasting where you haven't yet seen the benefits that come with fasting. What you're dealing with are the struggles that are part of fasting. Press on, you will see the benefit. Okay? And we will see the Lord move. So be faithful. And, and for those of you who have not yet responded to that and are still chewing on it or hearing it for the first time, I call you to fast. Fast something. And we might see the Holy Spirit move in power, that he might anoint you and me and us in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that there will be healing and breakthrough in the life of our sister. So fast for the month of October, fast something. I encourage you to do that. 
and you will see God move. Let's pray. We invite you here, Lord. Come and make your presence known. You are already at work and moving and speaking. But we say, come with more. We open ourselves up to you that we might offer you ourselves and receive from you. That we might bless you and that you might bless us. Lord, as we open your scriptures this morning, would the anointing that comes include a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might understand your word, receive it properly, let it take deep root in our lives so that you get all the praise and all the glory, so that, so that you transform image bearers to reflect your image even better. We must have this, Lord. You must have your way completely. As, as John will say later on in the book of John, John the Baptist will say, he must increase, I must decrease. Would there be a decreasing among us this morning and an increasing of your presence? As that prayer that you taught us to pray says, hallowed be your name. All praise and glory first to you. And may your kingdom come and your will be done. May you have your way among us. May you have your way through this time. May it be your word that remains. Would you prove and confirm your word to be true? in our lives. May we embrace your word in such a way that we prove you to be true. Your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you go to the book of John, please? I have a question for you. After Jesus' death, in Jesus' death, burial and resurrection are the most important thing that Jesus does in Jesus' ministry. What is the next most important thing that Jesus does in his ministry? Ascended to heaven. Ascended to heaven, maybe? It's hard to, hard to pick, right? He promises the Spirit. Yeah. Um, Luke, yeah. Sorry, what does he say to Peter? Do you love me? Yes. He asks his disciples not only if they love him, but in, in asking for that response. Are you committed to me to the point where you will demonstrate your love for me in whatever way I ask you to? And the way he asks Peter to involves offering his very life 
Good response. Thanks, Luke. It's an interesting question. You don't have to throw out an answer. Scripture is going to offer us an answer here, at least from one person's perspective. I'm not necessarily saying that this is the only perspective, but you might want to consider it, considering that this person who will share his perspective on the two most important things that Jesus does heard it directly from God. Okay. Let's see if you see them as we read our scriptures here. Go to John chapter 1, starting at verse 19. This is the testimony given by John, speaking of John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, and he did not, did not deny it, but confessed, I'm not the Messiah. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And they said to him, then who are you? Let's have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John the Baptist says, I'm quoting Isaiah, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, well, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. And this took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes the man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit from heaven, descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And this I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John will say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first thing if John is summarizing Jesus' ministry, the first thing that he says about Jesus' ministry is that this is going to be someone who takes away the sin of the world. Meaning, your sin has been taken. Could you hear that as good news this morning? Not simply your sin has been forgiven. Your sin has been taken. And I find that sometimes as I have interacted with people, there is such a lingering guilt that it's like they have taken their sin back. And they end up living with it and it holds them in bondage. And yet Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world. And it, I, I simply throw that out there as a challenge to say, don't be the person who burdens yourself with burdens that are no longer yours. You made the mistake. He took it. Be at peace. Okay? The disciples who betrayed Jesus, 
publicly. Jesus meets them while they're still unaware that he has risen from the dead. They've denied him publicly. And the first words out of Jesus' mouth are, peace be with you. He died for those sins. He took them. And what he extends to all people is peace. Peace be with you. And then, because they don't get it, he says to them again, peace be with you. May you receive this morning, not simply forgiveness, but the corresponding peace that comes with it. This is the Lamb of God who has offered himself that you might have peace with the very enemy that you had made, namely God. In spite of the fact that you and I crucified the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God comes to you and I and says, I have forgiven you. Be at peace. Will you receive that? Or are you going to continue to linger in sort of uh, self-flagellation, right? Continually torturing yourself, continually beating yourself up that I was so wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I know better, et cetera, et cetera. And you end up beating yourself up and punishing yourself because you can't actually receive the peace that he's given or you choose not to. Receive the peace this morning. This is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He takes what you feel guilty about. It's good news. Be at peace, my friends. Be at peace. It's not permission to go do it again. Don't hear it that way. But it is peace to say what, what you and I have done the next time that we meet Jesus is not in between us at the moment. If you have confessed it, it's done. Be at peace. John only says two things about Jesus' ministry. He says he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he says he is the one who baptizes in the Spirit. Which raises a giant question mark. What on earth does that mean? I have a handout for you. Christina, would you be my fantastic volunteer and get one conscript one of your kids and hand out the handout once again there? I, I would appreciate that. This is such a confusing topic that if I just give you a lecture, it may not, you may not follow. It's confusing because we brought up and assumed and incorporated a particular definition of what the baptism of the Spirit is. And the problem is that there are actually a number of different views, and we need to go back to Scripture and say, which one does Scripture uphold? Okay? Um, a couple of weeks ago, when, when Joel and I were up here, um, one of the things that Joel really emphasized was as the Lord has taken, he said, as the Lord has taken me deeper into the kingdom, what he has done over and over again is blown out my theological boxes. I came with assumptions. 
And, and it turns out that my assumptions got critiqued by an experience or my, my, my assumptions were actually just assumptions because I had inherited them from the particular tradition that I've always participated in. And there are times where we have to come back to scripture and ask, does someone else have a perspective on this that's gonna enlighten me in a way that I have, this has previously been opaque to me. As you're going to see in the top of your handout, there are a number of different ways that the word baptism gets used in scripture. Not baptism in the spirit, but, but baptism. So I want to clarify the word baptism first. First, the word baptism can be used uh, sort of either the trouble or the calling that Jesus is going into and that the disciples will face as well. Jesus says, can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He's talking about going to the cross and he's saying to, what is it, James and John who come to him and say, we want to sit on your right hand and your left. And he says, do you know what you're in for if you do that? Well, he's, he uses the word baptism to talk about what they're in for. Okay, that's not water baptism. Okay? It's something else. Right? So we have to, when we see a word, we have to ask how the word is being used. That's the point of this part of the, the message. Baptism gets used to talk about being, uh, when you become a Christian, you are incorporated into what's called the body of Christ, meaning the church. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. We were incorporated by the spirit. And when you become a Christian, you receive the spirit. And by receiving the spirit, what you do is we all then become members of one body. Right? But the word baptism is used for that incorporating event that takes place there. And then the more familiar one that you're aware of, water baptism. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. They're talking about going down the river and dunking someone, participating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what baptism going under the water symbolizes. Just like Jesus died and was resurrected, so going down into the water represents going down into the grave and being raised up out of the water represents being raised with Christ back to life and now we're filled with his spirit and so on like that's what that's what baptism water baptism is about right and then there's the confusing one which is our verse today holy spirit baptism this Jesus John Baptist says is the one who baptizes with the holy spirit John 133 and there are three views on this so let me outline the three views very briefly and then I will talk about the pros and cons of them View number one, which is probably the, the, the view I was brought up with, uh, or I inherited, um, whether or not it was explicitly taught this way. View number one is that a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit at conversion, receiving the Spirit once and for all. No more is ever received. The only thing left is to be emptied of ourselves. That's the ongoing process. The ongoing process is that I empty myself, but I receive all of the Spirit when I become a believer. That's view number one. View number two, a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit at conversion, just like the first one, but can later receive fillings of the Holy Spirit. And I will outline that in more detail in a minute. View number three, a person is not baptized in the Spirit at conversion. They receive a measure of the Holy Spirit at conversion, but can later be baptized in the Spirit and filled the Spirit um, at later points in their life. 
That's view number three. Let's talk about view number one. View number one wants to maintain the integrity of the person of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, the, this, this view does not want to divide up the Holy Spirit and say you can have a hand, but you can't have the rest of the body. Okay? Just like um, I am either, my body is entirely present in this room or entirely absent. I can't be partly here and partly there. That's what this view wants to maintain. That's that the Holy Spirit, you either get all of him or you get none of him. You can't have a partial Holy Spirit. Um, that's what this view wants to maintain. And it's because they say that the, the Spirit is a person. You can't divide a person. That's the view. What, what this view fails to recognize is that the Holy Spirit, while a person, is not a body. It is the nature of spirit that can be more present or less present, which is different than a body, which has to be either entirely present or entirely absent. Okay? And that is demonstrated explicitly in scripture. So that's why I have a number of levels here. Start at number one there. Scripture shows different levels of increasing presence of the spirit. So level number one, the most basic one. God's presence is everywhere. And, and this verse, um, or sorry, where can I go from your presence, the psalmist says. In other words, the Holy Spirit's presence is everywhere. Or the Apostle Paul will say to pagans who do not know Jesus, in him we live and move and have our being. There is a basic presence of God which fills the earth. Right? And then it starts to increase from there. So look at verse two, or um, number two. The Holy Spirit lives in each believer. So there is an increase there between the, 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 the Lord's basic presence everywhere. And when you come to believe in Jesus, the Spirit comes to indwell you, which means there is now more in you than there was before you became a believer. Are you seeing the increase there? Okay. Level number three. Scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. These are people who not only experience God's presence everywhere, but then have God's presence indwelt in them. But then as they further come together in the name of Jesus, God's presence now dwells in a special way among them because of what they are doing together as a, 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 a body of believers. There, there's no other way to interpret that verse than to see an increase in the level of the presence of God. Okay? If the verse is saying God is everywhere, then where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them, would make no sense. He wouldn't have had to say that because he would have just said, I'm everywhere. You see that? I got one nod. Are we seeing this? Okay. Number four, level number four. He inhabits 
the praises of his people. Psalm 23, 22, verse 3. So, basic presence everywhere. Spirit indwells individual believer. Individual believers join together for further increased presence where two or three are gathered, there I am among them. But when those two or three are gathered and then worshiping, there is then a further increase in God's presence. He comes to dwell among the praises of God's people. Are you noticing that the presence of the Lord increases in various ways? So view number one, that the person is baptized in the Holy Spirit at conversion and cannot receive more because that they already get all of him. And you can't, you either get all the spirit or none of the spirit because the spirit has to be present or absent simply isn't true. It's the nature of spirit to be able to increase in measure. Okay. That view further um, uh, misses what's called filling language in scripture. And so, for example, Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the spirit. This view would try to say what that actually means is that we give the spirit increased control of our lives by emptying ourselves. But when, when someone says that, they have actually turned to be filled with the spirit into an opposite thing. It's not that you are filled more with the spirit, it's that you're emptied of yourself, they say. But be filled with the spirit is a spirit that is an activity of the spirit. Being emptied of ourselves is an activity that I do. Okay. I grant you that we, we need to be emptying ourselves in order that we make more room for God. But notice it's we're making room for increase. You, you can't escape that. You can't escape that there is increase, not only available, but commanded. You can't escape the fact that there is increase not only available, but commanded to be pursued. That's view number one. View number two, people are baptized at conversion, but can later receive fillings of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter two, verses 38 and 39 Peter is speaking to the crowds. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is the day of Pentecost. The crowds, uh, the, the people who received the Spirit are now going out. They're speaking in tongues. They're sharing the good news. And people are going, what's going on? We need this. And some of the crowd are saying, how do we get what you got, Peter? What do we do? And Peter says, you need to repent and be baptized He's speaking about baptism in water. You need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus because this promise, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is, is for you and for your children. He says, and what he's speaking about is what this promise is what he just received. He just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And he's telling the crowd, what I got, you can get. Does that make sense? 
still getting one nod from the same person that I already know agrees with most of what I say, which is a problem. Okay. Um, next story. Okay. There are later fillings and refillings of the Spirit among those who first were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So in the day of Pentecost, the, the 11 disciples, as well as the larger crowd of them, are baptized in the Holy Spirit as the Spirit is poured out, right? They share the good news. Peter and John were, of course, among them. Peter and John go to the temple one day, and a guy asks for money. They say, we don't have money, but we can give you healing. Stand up and walk. The guy gets healed. Peter and John go uh, end up getting dragged in front of the authorities and say, how do you do this? And so on. They, they end up getting thrown in jail and then you know, brought out and so on. They go back to a prayer meeting after and say to the, the people of their prayer meeting, this is what happened to us. And then they start praying. And what they, they pray, if you go to Acts 4, verse 29, this is the end of their prayer meeting. Okay? After they've been put in jail and taken out of jail, and, and they're now continuing to share the good news. This is what they pray in verse 29. And now, Lord, look at the threats of these people and grant your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, at the end of their prayer. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the bold, word of God with boldness. These are people who had already been filled on the day of Pentecost, and it says they were again filled. There's increase. Okay? So view number two. Baptized at conversion, later fillings are possible. View number three. View number three, in some sense, um, no, let me start this way. View number three says that a person receives a measure of the Holy Spirit at conversion, but only a measure, they wouldn't call it a baptism. It's all, all believers receive a measure of the Holy Spirit at conversion, but then are later baptized in the Spirit, potentially, and, and or later on filled with the Spirit, potentially. A measure, not a baptism, a measure at the beginning. There's good evidence for this as well. Look at the end of John. John chapter 20. Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit after he has been raised from the dead. But this is prior to Pentecost. So did they not receive the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit? Are you going to suggest that Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit, but they don't receive anything? John makes no mention of Pentecost. Or did they receive a measure of the Holy Spirit when Jesus breathes on them? But then the day of Pentecost comes, and they are then baptized 
in the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference between these uh, between option or view two and view three? View two says the baptism comes up front as soon as you believe. View number three says, no, you get a measure of the spirit when you believe, but the baptism comes at a different point and it's bigger and more powerful. Look at the Apostle Paul's conversion. No, sorry, before we get to the Apostle Paul, let me say that the language of um, filling and baptism seem to be synonymous. And I will show you that in scripture. So look at Acts chapter 1, verse 5. This is Jesus right before he ascends. And he says to his disciples, wait in the city. You will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He uses the word baptism. Okay, but then look at when it actually happens. Chapter 2, verse 4. When, when the Spirit actually descends and falls, the word baptism isn't used. It, all of them, verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Is it a baptism or is it a filling? Are all fillings baptisms? Are all baptisms fillings? I actually can't answer that question, to be honest. All, all baptisms are fillings, but are all fillings baptisms? Um, all, to, to turn that, put it in, in different um, all, all women are, all, all moms are women, but not all women are moms. Okay? Does that make sense? Right in the same way. Okay, so um, all all baptisms are fillings, but are, are all fillings baptisms? Is the question that I can't answer. But they're used interchangeably here within a chapter. Okay. Now, look at the Apostle Paul's conversion and then subsequent filling in chapter nine of Acts, verse seventeen. So this is after. The Apostle Paul has been on his Damascus road. He's had his Damascus road experience. He has met, and this is important, he has met the risen Jesus. He has a vision of him in light. He says, I've met the risen Jesus. Who are you, Lord? They have an exchange, an interaction. Paul is then blinded and goes into the city, and he prays and fasts for three days. God sends Ananias to Paul, and he says to Ananias, Paul is called Saul at this point, so God sends Ananias to Saul and says, go lay your hands on this guy, I've chosen him. This is what Ananias says, look at it carefully. So Ananias went and entered the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, brother, brother, do you realize the implication of that word brother? If he's a brother, he is already incorporated into the body of Christ. If he has already been incorporated into the body of Christ, he already has a measure of the spirit. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Same thing happens in Acts 19. In Acts 19, there are a group of believers who are baptized in water. So you don't baptize unbelievers, right? They're baptized in water because they're believers. And following the baptism, the Apostle Paul then lays his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. It's the exact same thing as what happens here with the Apostle Paul. Conclusions. If you land on view number one, you need to become aware that God's presence is shown to increase in various places in Scripture. So the whole analogy of you're either present or absent doesn't actually work when it comes to spirit. That works for a body, a physical body. It doesn't work for spirit. Okay? And scripture shows multiple places where the presence of God increases. So, for example, the temple is filled with the spirit. This, the, the temple already had the presence of God. The presence of God dwelt above the, the Ark of the Covenant. The, the high priest could only go in there. It was curtained off for a reason. The presence of God was already in the temple. But when the, at, at certain points, when the temple, the tabernacle are completed, the presence of God comes in greater power to the point where people can't actually go in there. The presence of God is shown throughout Scripture to have various levels of increase. So if you land on view number one, you need to wrestle with that. Number two, if you land on view number two or three, here's your blank. There is more for you to pursue. That is the logical implication of view number two or view number three. There is more for you to pursue. So we stood up here a couple of weeks ago and said, Unity, there's more. And we thought we'd go after more. Here's the more. The second blank in that number two is the difference is mostly, I think, words. There are there are some legitimate nuanced differences between number two and number three, but it's mostly words. You call it a baptism, you call it a filling. I don't care, honestly. I, the scripture actually tells us not to argue about words. In uh, I put the verse reference there. Um, 1 Timothy 2.14, 2 Timothy 2.14. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in arguments about words. So I call it a baptism, you call it a filling. You call it a, a baptism, I'll call it a filling. I don't care. There's more. We need to get caught up arguing about words. We would miss the point. Let's not miss the point. Number three, this is why we're fasting. This is why we need to fast. Let me remind you of Acts 10, 38. It's, it's got to be one of my favorite verses in scripture. I've quoted it so many times in the last couple of weeks. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He didn't bring those to the table. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because he brought so much to the table. No, the verse ends because those things happened because God was with him. That's what we go after. 
That is the more that is on offer for each of us. And what I have done today is gone back to scripture after scripture after scripture. This isn't about a different flavor of Christianity. This isn't about a different denominational thing. It's not about going into different theologies. We're going back to scripture. Scripture offers us more. It says more is available. We're going to pursue it. Two years ago, um, two years ago, Joel and I started meeting together regularly and praying, saying, Lord, we need more. We cannot do this. I personally, I couldn't do the COVID. And when all this COVID garbage was hitting, I was breaking down. I was burnt out. Didn't want to be here. Um, was just dealing with so much apathy and, and and just garbage. And and we started praying and asking the Lord, like, you got to do something. There, there has got to be more because the, the, the Christian life as I have experienced it is not sustaining me through this time. Okay? So more knowledge is not going to help me. You... I have to see you work and move and relate to me personally in ways I have not experienced because I cannot do this on my own. I can't. And we started crying out to God for more. And I mean, at times, quite literally crying. And I, there have been a number of times in the last two years where I have wept before the Lord and said, I need more. I cannot, and you promise right here. You, here's chapter and verse. You have to do this. There has to be more, and I don't have it in me. And God answers those prayers, but not always immediately, and not always in the way that we expect. But there was a humility developing because I was so hungry. I said, I... The, the things that I thought I knew, I am willing to revisit because there has got to be more. I got to where I am on my own. And we started calling out to God. We started meeting with people and saying, like, where's the more, essentially? Praying for it together with a group of guys. Um, and then if you'll remember two years ago, Probably almost a week here. We had a massive deliverance in this church. We shared a story up front. We didn't know what we were doing. People got set free. Um, we saw God move in some just miraculous and amazing ways. And I was meeting with a friend. Um, I mentioned him the other week. His name's Ola. He, he had coached us through what we would need to do as we were going to that house. For, for prayer, a house cleansing and deliverance. And I was meeting with him and I was great because um, he was sharing something that he heard from the Lord. And I said, I don't hear the Lord the way you do. And his response to me was, well, have you been baptized in the spirit? And I was indignant, to be perfectly honest with you. I was indignant at the language and the implication of that. 
But there was such a hunger in me for more that I very quickly said, I think we might be using this language differently, but I think I know that you're offering something more that I need. So you call it a baptism, and I as a Baptist call it a filling. But no, I haven't had that filling experience, and I I'm in desperate need. He said, why don't you come to our prayer group on Tuesday? We'll do it. I'm like, you can make an appointment for that? And, and we did. Joel and I went together. Um, it was interesting. We went there, and they, they did very much what I did here just now. They laid out scripture after scripture after scripture. And I was kind of irritated, to be honest. They're like, I already read these. I, I, I already buy what you're selling. Come on, like, let's get to it. Um, but they, they were really careful in saying, no, we're, we're not just interested in some sort of experience for you. There's, there's an inheritance here that is, of course, for you. But, but you need to understand this from the scriptures. And they were careful about that. And I, looking back on it now, as much as I was irritated by it, I actually have come to respect what they did because they honored the scriptures and wanted to honor me as someone who needs to submit to scripture. And so they walked us through so many of the things that they, um, that I walked you through here this morning. They called it a baptism. I wasn't sure if it was a baptism. I'm still not really sure if it's a baptism or anything. I just don't care that much about the words. So what they did is they just started praying. They had their own flavor to it. Um, laid their hands on us, started praying, singing, and claiming scripture. Lord, you, you say right here in the scriptures that this promise is for you and for all who believe, for you and your families, your children. Just there to say, okay, yes, Lord. Some of them prayed over us in tongues. Um, no tongues. Before they started praying over us, they said it's likely that you will you will have the ability to speak in tongues after, which is always seen in these passages. So the, the filling of the spirit always seems to be accompanied by some sort of verbal, either um, tongues or prophecy. But what I didn't, what I'm so glad that they they taught us is something I'm not going to get into now, but basically you need coaching. If you think that God is going to somehow grab a hold of your mouth and your tongue like a puppet and start moving them around like a puppet, you're going to, you're going to actually miss what God does. Scripture says that they spoke in tongues. Not God spoke in tongues through them. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance, All the Spirit did was provide a syllable, and I had to use my tongue to utter that syllable. And all I got was a syllable. It was so disappointing. Because <laughs> I wanted the whole puppet experience. Anyway, they pray over us. And it, they prayed for a while. 
Um, Joel, Joel ended up on the carpet. He gave me permission to tell this story. And, you know, that's often been one of um, evangelical people's fears, that God might do something in some way that would embarrass you, make you feel like you're not in control. First of all, you're not. Second of all, John Wimber said something very interesting when reflecting on Acts 2. He said, God will often offend your mind to reveal your heart. Acts 2, we see that. People speak in tongues, and some people say these guys are just drunk. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. And so for some of you, if that's the fear, that God would do something to you that would cause you to be embarrassed, that's saying something about you. And what you will end up doing is saying, Lord, I would like more, but don't do this. And you end up doing this. We've talked about that before. You can come this close, but if you do this thing, I will put up this wall. And you may stop there. So Joel ends up on the carpet. I'm standing. Oh, about the carpet. Um, you know, one of the things I really appreciated later was when Joel was sharing this with someone. He said, people are afraid to end up on the carpet. I've been on the carpet. You want to be on the carpet. Because you have no idea what about this. And people end up on the carpet. Anyway, back to my story. I... I experienced something so subtle it could easily have been doubted. So, and I, I really do mean that. That the whole time I'm like, is this God? Is this me? Is this God? Is this me? What's going on here? Because what I felt was a, a very subtle warmth that, that started here and very slowly worked its way up over minutes until the last point that it hit was my mouth. And then there was a point in which there was a syllable that was coming probably more to mind than straight out of my mouth that um, was just un unlooked for. Because again, I'm expecting the puppet experience and all I'm having is this strange syllable. Um, and that's all it was for me. And what they said to me was, if you wanna actually um, take that gift, and do something with it, you're gonna have to fan it into flame. You're gonna have, you want more than one syllable, you're gonna have to practice. And I'll, I can share about that another time where you can ask the questions at some point, I don't wanna get into that. Um, my point in sharing this story is that there were things that slowly changed in my life, in Joel's life, in this church, as a result of being filled or baptized with the Spirit. And whereas we, we, we might have been growing on a trajectory like this, after that point, we started to grow on a, a slightly different trajectory, and it still took time. And I'm not here to say in any way whatsoever, I have more of the Spirit than you. Because I don't know where you started. Maybe I'm just getting up to your level now. I, I, I honestly don't know. 
I'm not at all here to say I have more than you do. I'm here to say there's more for us. Lord, would you take, as we give you a moment, would you speak? We're not going to have a final song or I've been long winded. Um, some of you are here and you're, you're looking at, you're like me. I'm a slow thinker. I'm a slow processor. And I'm quite like when Robbie was here a couple of weekends ago, and it was just information overload. So much of it was new to me. I had to make notes. I had to go home and start digesting. And if that's you, the Lord bless you and keep you. You you take this stuff. You pray with the Lord. You 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 take this stuff and you say, I need to have a conversation at some point with someone because I still have questions. I don't pretend to have been perfectly clear or to have answered everybody's questions or anything like that. As I've said so many times, a sermon is the next word in an ongoing conversation our community should be happening. This is not the last word. Okay, so you feel free to interact with me, with others, with the Lord about this stuff. That's why I actually put it on camera for you. Some of you are saying, I now see why I need to fast this month even more. Go after this and fast. And if that's you, the Lord bless you. He will meet you. And where you are now compared to where you may be at the end of October, as we finish this fast, will be vastly different. And he may have instructions for you and give you your Ola. Okay. Lord bless you and keep you. Some of you are like, I've already been looking for this and I want to be prayed over. And if that's you, after we close up the service, you want to come up for prayer, I'll be happy to pray over you. Um, I can't save anyone, nor can you. Right? None of us can save anyone, right? But what we can do is give opportunities for the gospel to be shared and someone to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. I can't heal anyone. But every once in a while, we give opportunities for someone to come forward and pray and, and ask the Lord to do his healing work. And sometimes we see those healings. I can't save anyone. I can't heal anyone. 
I can't baptize anyone with the Spirit. Jesus is the one, it says in Scripture, who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus looks for people to lay hands and pray over. Are you following that, that, that line of analogy, that argument? I can't save anyone, but I can give an opportunity. I can't heal anyone, but I can give an opportunity. I can't baptize anyone in the Spirit. But if you would like that opportunity, I'm more than happy to do that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace and give you more of himself. Amen. Oh, peace, everyone.